Amen. I think we need to sing Jillian. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Something about that name. Could we do that one more time? You guys got that in you? Here we go. There's something about that name. This is a song that's been around a while, you know. The name has been around longer than the song. Regardless of the generation of the church, regardless of the need in a life, the one word prayer that stops everything in its tracks, that opens the ears of heaven, is when we as one of his children just cry out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, there's so much commercialization that goes on with that name, Christmas, at this season of the year. Could we just try to back away from all that this season of the year is wrapped in and just get right at the heart of it? It's you, Jesus. It's you, Jesus, my Savior. We sing this to the one who is not just the Savior of the world, right? But you're my Savior. I received you as my Savior. Hallelujah. We could sing that through again. Jillian, God bless you. Thank you. reach over and just hug somebody or greet somebody. Would you, in his name, those out in this room, streaming family, you may be by yourself or you may be with your family. 
think there's something about after his name is spoken that it just evokes some kind of response. Lord, thank you for my friends in Jesus. Thank you for my brothers and my sisters in Jesus. Good, good. Amen. And you may be seated. You may be seated. A week from the day, a week from the day is what day of the calendar year? Have you added it up, figured it out? It's Christmas. I guarantee you our grandsons know what day it's going to be. Christmas. So our plan is not to have services here uh, on I-35 and our campus here on Christmas Day. We were looking forward to a Christmas Eve service this next Saturday evening at 6 o'clock right here, a time of worship, time in the Word, just to rejoice in what the Lord has done and is doing in our lives as our, as our Savior. So Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock right here, but we'll be streaming um, our regular services at 9 and 11 but you just stay home. You, you, those of you who are used to coming, getting dressed and getting all fixed up to come this far, just, just enjoy relaxing and being with your family. And uh, we'll have um, a wonderful time of worship. And then uh, while Shirley and I were on our way back from seeing Ken folks on the West Coast, we, we, we went by uh, Big Sky, Montana, where we like to hang out in the summertime. And Decided to drop in there a little bit in the winter, and I can tell you it is not South Texas in the, in the northern Rockies. So I stood out there on a bridge over a creek with about that much snow all around me, and I tried to put together something that will be aired next Sunday morning as our streaming message. So you, you, you'll just know it's not going to be as long as what we usually have here because <laughs> it's about 40 below and, and everything frozen. But... Um, was thinking about you and, and grateful for how the Lord will make his presence known no matter where we are, no matter the season of the year. He is real, and he cares about us. So that's, that's, that's next Sunday. But for this morning, why is it that family get-togethers can sometimes be more stressful than joyful? Do I have a witness? You know. Why, why is it that we can not look forward to times together so much because of a dreaded, complex relationship in the mix? Well, I just feel like we need to hear this morning that we're not crazy when we have those kinds of emotions and we can have those kinds of struggles And the reason is because there are some very definite and powerful spiritual dimensions that are at work in those kinds of gatherings. Jesus has a heart for your family. He does. And since he is alive within us, he desires for his heart for our families to be expressed through us. But I want to take you through this morning three or four aspects of the heart of Jesus working in us toward our families that I think can help unplug some of the power, negative power, that can flow into those kinds of relationships and those kinds of settings and leave us more at the place of being able to be who we are in those settings (laughs) And let those folks that don't get us and don't understand us and may not even like this new part of us be what they are and not feel like it's all on us to change them and to always keep everybody on edge because of the new person that that we have come to be. The heart of Jesus for your family. Now, at the beginning of of this, we need to identify um, a very definite spiritual reality. For the follower of Jesus, the true follower of Jesus, you are a member of two families, not just one. You may have 
the same last name that you've had all your life. But when you came to know Jesus, you became a member of another family, another family. So you've got your blood family, and you've got your spirit family. I'm not talking about spirit animal. I'm talking about a spirit family, your Jesus family. Where do we get that? If you'll find in your copy of the Scripture, in the Gospel of John, John chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading in verse 12. John chapter 1, verse 12. Seeking to unplug some of the power that can come against us when we come into these settings that can be uncomfortable and difficult in our families. Verse 12, John 1, verse 12. But as many as received him, received Jesus. Now that's way more than a mental assenting to the fact that a man named Jesus lived in Nazareth. He lived and died at the age 33. The word to receive means to reach out with your own hand and take whatever it is you're reaching for and bring it to yourself as your own. It's not walking through an H-E-B vegetable section and just noticing tomatoes and squash and corn and bell peppers and then keep on moving as if you have received the vegetable section at an H-E-B. This word means that you walked up to a bin of whatever it is that you were looking for, and with your hand, you reached out and took that, and you brought it as your own. That's the distinction of receiving Jesus. It's not just believing that he's the Savior of the whole world or that he can forgive all sinners. It means that you have personally made the choice to choose Jesus Christ and his death in your behalf on the cross, that he died for those sins, he was raised on the third day, and all things Jesus in that Christ event you have taken as your own. He is your chosen Savior. But to as many as received him. Have you received him today? I'm not saying, did you go to church? Are you planning on making it to a Christmas Eve service? I'm saying, have you at a point in time as an act of your will chosen Jesus Christ? Have you received Jesus Christ? So if that is the case, if you've done that, the rest is true. But as many as received him to them, to them, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who are believing in his name, children of God, children of God. You are the child of your earthly father. You are the child of your earthly mother. But that is entirely different than being a child of God. The the children of God are those who have received Jesus Christ as their own Savior. Everybody else is a natural child, is a natural-born child, a human child, a creation of God. But folks, this is vital, and it's powerful. You can all day long be a creation of God, but never step into the privilege and the power and the freedom and the authority of a child of God until you receive Jesus Christ. Again, it's not not the, the, the name of a church. It's not the brand of a church. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. But to as many as received Jesus, to these he gave the power, he gave the authority, he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who are believing on his name. It's a present tense verb, not just believe way back yonder, believed as a child, believed as, as a, coming out of a crisis at some point, but have just kind of gone on with the rest of your life. No! 
This one who is living and operating as a child of God is one who is still today believing, trusting, receiving Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord. It doesn't mean that he leaves and we have to get saved all over again. It just means that the residue of his presence in your life is going to keep on working faith and persuasion that he is everything he claimed to be. And in the needs that we face and come, go through again and again in our lives, we are still trusting him, believing him, believing him, believing him. To these he gave the right to be called the children of God. Okay? Now let's look at verse 13. These who were born not of blood, natural birth, nor of the will of the flesh. A man and woman together, a baby is conceived, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but they were born of God. Born not of blood, not of the will of the, of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. So what that means is, in family gatherings, there can be a mixture, a mixture of those who have only known natural birth into the human race. And then there can also be those who have been, through their receiving of Jesus as Savior and Lord, born of God. You, you, it has to be both. It, 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 it's, it, it's not that, that you, you are born of, of the flesh, born naturally, and then there's something else that happens to a disembodied spirit or something where you're born of God. No, it is that God's intention is just incomplete when all we've known is a natural birth. Look at what Jesus says in John chapter 3. Remember that encounter? It's where John 3.16, that famous verse, comes from. His, his visit with Nicodemus after dark one night. This ruler of the Jews came to this young rabbi named Jesus of Nazareth. Look at verse 3. John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, that word literally is born from above, born from above, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, natural birth, and the spirit, supernatural birth, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's as far as it goes. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The reason that there can be issues in family get together is because there are two levels of life working in the room. One, all it is, is natural life. The other is that, there's, yes, there's a natural life, there's a natural heart, there's their feet, their hands, their eyes, but there is another dimension going on in that life that has taken that life beyond the confines of just what can be seen and done and accomplished and heard in a natural realm. That somehow forgiveness has come. Somehow freedom has come. Somehow the ability to see things that you'd never been able to see and believe things you'd never been able to believe before. Somehow they're coming to be that sense that I am more than the skin and bones on my body. I am more than my last name. I am more than my criminal record. I am more than, more than, more than. Because it is Christ in me that is my hope of glory. Amen. So, so when, you, when you got a room full of people, you got a table surrounded by lives, 
And some have known what it is to be called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And some have never known that. Then there can be, just by definition of that reality, conflict, differences, an inability to track and keep up with or want the same things or understand. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2 one more time. We've camped out in the book of Ephesians at various spots over these last months. But let me, let me read this to us again. This, this is heavy. Well, if you'll let this in, it'll help you understand why sometimes family gatherings can just be tough. And you were dead, Paul writes, Ephesians 2 verse 1. He's writing to the church. He's writing to followers of Jesus, ones who had been born again. But he says, and you were, what? Dead. You were dead. You, you, you physically were alive. You emotionally could feel things. You mentally could process things. You could choose things. But there was a part of you that was dead. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. The wages of sin is death. In which you, but it's a spiritual death, okay? If it's not a physical death necessarily, but and it's, it, 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 it's, it, it's amazing how true this is, that somebody can be brilliant, can, can have all the equations figured out, everything mathed out, but there be a part of them that are spiritually dead. You, you can speak of the name Jesus, you can, you can speak of things to come and the hope that is in Christ, and it's like talking to that I-beam right there. There's no registry of life. It's because there's a part of the living that is dead. That's what he's talking about here. In which you formerly walked, this is when we were in that life of death, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, according to the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Natural born life, devoid of, dead to, born from above, spirit given life that comes, is conveyed, is transmitted by means of that individual of which we have all walked in and have known before Christ, a part of us spiritually dead, but something begins to happen within us and we begin to ask the questions and we begin to want to find out more and our hearts begin to be warmed toward the things of Christ, the things of God, and those are all indicators of the Spirit of the Lord impregnating us with the life of Jesus on the inside. And so from death, we are brought into life and around a family table. It's amazing and it's wonderful when all around the table have experienced the life of Christ, the life-giving life of Christ, and the freedom and the joy and the hope that is found in Christ. Not that everyone sitting around that table knowing Jesus is perfect, We've got this treasure in an earthen vessel. The, the flesh and the spirit are going to fight until we get to heaven. We'll have to say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things by the power of the spirit in order for us to, to, to be moved into all that the Lord wants us to walk in down here. But what a blessing it is when you can look, when you look around the table, look around the living room, and feel like everybody you're looking at in your family knows Jesus. Not, not, not that they, 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 they are religious. Oh yeah, I know Jesus. They're not talking about religion. 
talking about a personal relationship with Jesus. They individually have a story to tell of what he has done and is doing in their lives. You're blessed if you have a family like that. You need to just thank the Lord and celebrate the Lord's goodness if you have a family like that. But if you don't, and you find yourself as one spot around that table, and you realize that in days gone by, you used to have a lot in common with everybody around that table. You, 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 could, you could talk about the same things, laugh about the same things, be interested in the same things. And not that you don't have any interest in things of import that, 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 that affect our lives. But, but as far as what really has captured your heart, those things that have dominated the life of your family for so long don't own you anymore, that you've come to experience that there is further and there is more and there is greater, even though your shoe size hadn't changed, your street address may not have changed, still driving the same Toyota, but there's something new and different and fresh. And yet when you're in those settings, you can find yourself being pressured, perhaps, by ones who want to keep telling you who you are. This is who you are. We know you. This is who you are. But you know in your heart because of Jesus, it's not the same old, same mo. It's not the same story. Hallelujah. There's a, there's a new and a different and a change. But the issue, the issue comes down to your loyalty to Jesus and the power of Jesus changing you on the inside. That, that issue of Jesus, the central figure is Jesus in, in what can be the place of, of, of struggle in our family gatherings. But I want just, just so you'll know that this is here, I want, I want you to find your way to Matthew and Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, listen to, if I can find it here real quick, Matthew, excuse me, Matthew chapter 10, I want you to know that if you're in a place where family is a struggle, at family gatherings, and the issue, if you cook it all down, it can be related to the difference that Jesus has made and is making in your life. Your conclusions are different. Your, your points of aim are different. Look, look at what this is what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. These are strange words from Jesus. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the ember or the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow me, follow after me, is not worthy of me. He who has found his life shall lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. When we say, I have received Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord, that means we are embracing truths reflective of these statements of Jesus. That for a son who has received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, his earthly father no longer owns 
the right to dictate to that son what that son is going to do. For a daughter, for a daughter to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, it means that she has come to realize that above her own mother, as much as she loves her mother, and honor your father and mother so that you may live long on this life. Yes, yes, that's true. That's in there. Greater than even a loyalty to a mother, a loyalty to a father, a loyalty to children, greater than all of those family relationships that Jesus describes here is to be our relationship to him. Instead of that sounding punishing, instead of that sounding restrictive, you realize that the one who is saying, put me first, is the one who has the ability to bless at every level of every relationship. It's not a restriction. It's not a subtraction. It's not a deletion. It, it is just say, you come to me with your relationship to your father, and you watch how I'll bless that. You come to me with your relationship with your children, with your in-laws, and you watch how as you give that to me and surrender to me, I will bless you in that place because it is my heart to bless and to give, not to restrict and to punish and diminish. But then he says, if you won't take up your cross, you're not worthy of following me. The cross of Jesus was unique to Jesus. Only one would die on the cross for the sins of the world. So what does he mean? He's saying, I believe, in essence, the heart of it is that your walking with me is going to be, in the eyes of some, foolish, ridiculous, stupid, even a heresy. It, it, it all comes back to the identification with Jesus. And that's why many of you who find yourselves in a place where not everybody around the family circle knows Jesus, but they know you know Jesus, at the core of their resentment, at the core of their rejection, at least at this point in time, is the fact that somehow, some way, they sense that you are identified with Jesus. It, it's not that you have all the time gotten up and said, I've got to pray in the name of Jesus, or you've got a Jesus period shirt on, or you've got a James Avery fish the size of a quarter on your hand. It's just that there is a sense that they pick up on, that something has changed inside you. And, and you, they ask you, what's, what's the difference? And you would say, I don't, I'm not perfect. I hadn't gotten everything together, but I just got to tell you, Jesus, it's Jesus. You say, well, no, we know Jesus. We've been in the church. No, no. Yeah, I, I was in those same places, but I didn't know him. Somehow he's gotten out of that manger, and he's not on the cross anymore, and he's out of the tomb, and, and, and somehow, somehow he's alive in my chest. That's the difference. And, and, and when they can, can try to press you with, well, you need to go here with us, and you need to go do that with us, and you remember all those times, and it's almost as if you, 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 there's just kind of a fog over your eyes that you, it's like somebody that lived back then, but that somebody isn't alive necessarily anymore, and you can't really relate to that because Jesus has come to own your heart. And again, it doesn't mean that we do everything right all the time and that we aren't having to go back and confess our sins and make things right and ask for forgiveness again and again. But folks, listen, when you have taken the step of receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, He takes you seriously. He will move in. And he will begin to change from the inside out. As I say often, he changes our want to. That's how he saves us. It's not with a straitjacket. It's not with just another list of religious rules. You better quit that or you're going to go to hell. 
The real Jesus, by the power of his saving spirit, comes to the inside heart of a man or woman and begins to do the work of changing our hearts by the work of his spirit. So, as that's happening in you, and you're in a setting that reminds you of the past and what used to be, and and there can be that part of us that, that wants to keep connecting. We want to stay in touch. And this isn't about rejecting a family and having nothing to do with a family. It's just about realizing the leopard can't change his spots. You are changed. You are being changed by the power of the Spirit of Jesus. You can't go back to what you used to be. Even if you decided it's tough as hell living this way and I don't like this anymore and I want to go back, there's still something inside you that is being changed by the power of God. When we are faithless, He remains faithful. Yes, thank you, Lord. I don't want any hands going up, but I'm sure that there are many that would say, come to the place of thinking it's too tough, this life. It's too hard to surrender to Jesus. And the looking back over and wanting to consider renegotiating the situation only to find that as you look back into the lives of the ones that you thought, I wish I could be like again, you're able to see the hollowness and the sadness and the emptiness and the bondage of those things. So to, to leave freedom and go back to bondage comes to be, and we were reminded of that, whoa, whoa, why would you leave where the Lord has you, what he's brought you from, to go back to that when you look at the lives of the ones needing and aching for what you found in Christ. Yes, they do, though they may not know it and don't want to admit it. And therefore, the conflict can be in the family gatherings. When you know who you are, you know who's alive in you, they don't have a clue. Though they may be able to sing the Christmas carols and and quote a few verses, but there is a difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. There's a difference between knowing about, and you can pick the name, someone, that knowing about that person, knowing about, you've read all the press clippings, you've read all the Wikipedia, you've read all the reviews, but they don't know you. You don't know them. But someone you know knows you. Someone you know you are drawn to. Someone you know you have a relationship Okay, so let, let, me, let me just mention to you two or three things in the light of the natural-born, human-born blood family and your spirit family, because you now know Jesus, have received him as Savior and Lord. He is alive within you. The first thing I would say to you, pursue those who share who you are in Jesus. Pursue those who share who you are in Jesus. Pursue those who share who you are in Jesus. There are a couple of statements in 1 Peter chapter 1 and 2. Let me read them to you that are worthy of our considering. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. He's writing to the redeemed. He's writing to those who have received Jesus. He says, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things, perishable things like silver or gold, from your futile way of life 
inherited from your fathers, inherited from your family. But you were redeemed with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. You say that in the context, in the setting of someone who knows Jesus. And the mention of the blood of Christ and that he loved you enough to buy you out of allegiance to Satan and bondage to sin will evoke in the heart of that one that you just spoke that to mutual gratitude and celebration. You try to do that to somebody who's still genuflecting in front of a Jesus statue still on a cross, and that's all they know about Jesus. And it's as if you're talking to sheetrock because they don't know him. But when you mention the redeeming power of the Lamb of God expressed in your life and expressed in that brother or sister in Jesus, there comes to be a mutual celebration in that moment of Jesus. That's the difference. And it's a powerful difference. Because one is limited to just the natural realm. The other explodes you into the spirit realm where prayers are answered and miracles happen and breakthroughs come and you know who you are as a child of the king. Look at this second verse or two. I want you to know, First Peter, this is 2, chapter 2, verse 9. Oh, goodness. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a people for God's own possession. You, you, you are here for the purpose of God possessing you. You try to say that to somebody who hasn't met Jesus, and it can be highly offensive, incredibly dictatorial, amazingly constraining. But to someone who knows Jesus, knows the power of his love, the power of his commitment to you to say that I am a man, I am a woman for God's own possession. That's a thrill to your soul. That's a joy to your heart. People for God's own possession so that you may proclaim, and this is what can get us in trouble, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, for you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Where there may not be invigorating instances to your spirit with your natural family, and would to God that as we continue to pray for them, they'll all come to know Jesus. And generations in the future will come to know him. But in the meantime, we're talking and expressing to your blood family the things that now are of the greatest joy to you. That, that cause you to have hope again. <laughs> to want to get up out of bed in the morning and believe that there is a new day and a fresh start in the power of Christ. When you don't find that in your natural family, you pursue those who share who you are in Jesus. They understand that they've been called out of darkness and are being brought into light. They understand what it means to be forgiven. Here's what I'm saying to you. You've got two families. Sometimes you have to make a choice between the two families. Your forever family is not your blood family necessarily, unless they also know Jesus. But your forever family is the ones who have received Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You, you may come from a different mother, but you have the same father in Christ. Pursue, pursue, pursue. Don't let your whole world crater because your natural family can't relate to you. 
given up on you, think you're crazy. The wages of sin is death. That's the scripture. The, the way of the transgressor is hard. Sooner or later, even though it may be party time in 09 forever, it seems like in their lives, the time will come, the day will come when their hearts will be broken, when their tank will be empty. And because Jesus has planted you in that family line, you've got some kind of relationship with them, not necessarily to do everything that you used to do with them, but so that you'll be able to speak in a way that they will know you care about them because you're a blood family member. You'll be able to say, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. He comes to heal broken hearts, and you know that their hearts are broken. You re-enter to speak his name. You're not having to jettison anything he's called you to in order to be what he's calling you to be in their lives. The freedom to be able to release them to be who they are until such time as, as their hearts are warmed and changed. That, that's between them and God. But the freedom that comes with Christ as Lord in your heart and the Spirit of the Father working within you is that you come to realize that you do not have to buckle beneath any other family member, no matter what their name is, no matter how old they are or how much they have. They don't own you anymore. They don't own you anymore. Their words don't cripple you anymore. I pray that that's true. As we anticipate gatherings, whose face do you dread most? What, 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 what words do you remember most that have been spoken, maybe all in your childhood, to take those to the cross, to take those words, to take that face, to take those, the, the, the sound of the voice, take it to Jesus. Lord, I, I, I forgive them. I, I, I release this unto you. Help me by your, set me free of that bondage. To where they can, it's possible as you walk in freedom back into places that used to be crippling, you can find yourself not buckling under those words, realizing who they are. They're dead men talking. They're dead men talking, dead women talking. Their next breath, their next breath is in the hand of the God they curse. They are temporary. They are transient, but your real father is the everlasting God, the Lord of all creation. You are his son, his daughter. When you walk into a setting knowing who you are in that sense, you realize that it's not up to you to change them. You can let them go on being who they are, but they will have no power to buckle you in your emotions. Because you're seeing more clearly who it is who owns your heart. As you anticipate gatherings, we anticipate moving into some settings like that. I, I want to just challenge you to pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, fill me with your power to set me free from the fear of man, from the fear of woman. I, you, you, you may not see blinded eyes open. You may not see lame legs walking. You may not see somebody raised from the dead in answer. But I tell you what you can see and what you'll know when it happens. Would you pray, Lord, I need your spirit's power to set me free from the crippling words and the power of that personality. I know I'm headed that way. I'm going to go. I feel like I'm supposed to go, which, by the way, you have a right because you're under the Lord, not an earthly realm. Lord, do you even want me to go? Do I even need to show up? It, it, it shouldn't be an understanding because you, Jesus had said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm to be more than your father. I'm to be more than your mother. Well, mama wants me there. Well, what if the Lord doesn't want you there? You know, dad's expecting me. Well, what if God knows that if you go there, it'll be more crippling than it will be building up? And your greater loyalty is not to your earthly family, but to your eternal family. And we're praying, Lord, bring them all into the family, but some are not there yet. And some from that perspective still try to own you and dictate to you. And if you let them, they will. And what if the Lord... 
is giving you permission to just tick them off royally by saying, I can't come. Well, why ain't you come? Why can't you come? I love you all. I care about you. You matter to me. But that's just not who I am anymore. I, I, I can't go and spend all Christmas Eve getting smashed drunk. I can't do it. There's something more. There's something better. There's something freer. You do what you got to do. But I'm telling you, there's another way. And for me, it's a better way. To speak that. You know, it may be the first time that anybody's ever dared to rear up to your daddy. Ever dared to rear up to mama, the queen of the world. And just say, I can't do it. Why can't you do it? I just can't because I'm not there anymore. And you guys need to keep doing what you feel like you want to do, but that's not me anymore. I'm being, I am being changed on the inside, and it's Jesus. Don't be throwing out the name of a church. For heaven's sake, don't say Alamo City. I've been going to Alamo City. They'll ride by and shoot holes through this place. But you speak the name Jesus. What are they going to do with that? He's out of the cradle. He's off the cross. He's not in a tomb anymore. He lives in my heart. So you pursue those who share who you are in Jesus. Now, I got to do this just quickly. I was going to spend a little more time, but it's your fault. Y'all been amening too much, and I got wound up with stuff I hadn't planned on saying. But all right, here's number two. Number one was pursue those who share who you are with Jesus. The second is, listen to those who know who you are in Jesus. Those folks who don't know Jesus don't know who you are in the destiny of God for your life. They gave you a last name but only Jesus can impart to you a revelation of who you really are. And sometimes he will choose to implement that revelation by giving an understanding of who you are to somebody else in your family who knows him, who loves you. I, I get tickled. Near about every time I read this passage in John chapter 2, because I grew up as a teetotaling Southern Baptist preacher's kid. That meant, you know what teetotaling meant? That meant there wasn't any alcohol as far as I could see. And, and I'm not saying that's all wrong. But I am just saying, you got a real problem with John chapter 2. The first miracle that Jesus ever performed. Now, let me, let me read through this. Just kind of, I'll, I'll hit the high spots. John chapter 2, verse 1. And on the third day, there was a wedding, a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus also was invited and his disciples to the wedding. And when the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. To which Jesus says back to her, woman, what do I have to do with you? My hour has not yet come. His mother, however, said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, there were six stone water pots set there for the Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 to 30 gallons each. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. And they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine, 
and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The head waiter called the bridegroom, said to him, Every man serves the good wine first. And when men have drunk freely, in other words, in other words, can you when have drunk freely and were feeling the effect of the good wine? That's parenthetical, but it's just got to be true. Then that which is poorer, the cheaper wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. I think I grew up hearing whenever John chapter 2 was taught on, the scholars, the biblical scholars were just absolutely going to say that was not fermented wine. (laughs) It was fermented wine. After I've spent these years trying, you know, getting into the original meaning of the text, Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, I just got to tell you, you got to pull way out yonder to say this wasn't fermented wine. It was wine. Folks could get drunk on it. And Jesus turned some water, drinking water, into wine that could make you drunk. Now, isn't that something? Okay, but where did this come from? Where did he get that idea? I want you to find Luke. Luke one more time. We're going to quit here in a second. In the Gospel of Luke, Gospel of Luke, what did Mary know about him? At what point in time did Jesus come into the full realization of who he truly was? This is my beloved son, the father said, in whom I am well pleased. But but he was a baby. Then he was a a grade schooler, and, and then he was a teenager, and a middle schooler, and then he was a high schooler, and then he was a young. At what point did it come to his realization? We don't know. But there's one thing for sure. His mother knew who he was. His mother knew who he was. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus, deliverer, savior, rescuer, champion. You shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called by the he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. She knew who Jesus was. Folks, listen, it may not be everybody in your life. More than likely, it won't be. But God may have supernaturally, by his design, placed somebody or somebody's in your life whom he has spoken to about who you are. Instead of treating that as an afterthought, is treated something treating that as irrelevant. I'm saying to you, you listen, you listen to those who know who you are in Jesus. It may be a mother, it may be a father, Zechariah spoke for in, in behalf of John the Baptist in the next chapter about who John was, that he would be the forerunner of the Messiah. He said that about his son. Folks, listen, you, you can trot around to all these wannabe greats, all of these lesser ones in this life, to the exclusion of pursuing those who understand what you feel toward Jesus, and listening to the ones who have heard the Lord's heart for you and cultivating that and rejoicing in that to to stay there instead of running around with your little cup half full. Oh, please like me. Please like me. Will you please like me? I'll, I'll do whatever it takes for you to like me. Lose that 
And you lose it when you understand who you are to the king. A royal priesthood, a chosen generation, ones who were the people but who are now the people of God. That's who you are. So what do you do with them? You love them. You pray for them. You forgive them. You release them. And when mercy rises up in your heart, you'll know that forgiveness toward those who have hurt you and abandoned you, whatever they've done to you, when mercy toward them rises up in your heart, you'll know that forgiveness by the work of the Spirit has done its complete work in your heart. Instead of it being, they should have this, and, and I've, I've got a right to do that, and they hurt me, this, and, and all of that's true. But Jesus on the cross... Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That story in Luke 15, again, of the younger brother breaking his father's heart, this, this made-up story that Jesus told to express the father's heart. The father evidently forgave him even before he came back, forgave him. But he let him go. You're going to just have to let some folks go. Oh, come back, come back, come back. If they don't want to come back, let them go. Let them go. That's in Jesus' story. But he came to his senses, came back, and that old daddy had evidently been watching that road that that boy left on. Every day, sun up, sun down, looking down the road for that boy. He had forgiven him. He had released him. There was mercy already at work in the daddy's heart when the shape of that boy on that far hill filled up the middle part of that old dirt road coming back home. Mercy was already in place. Forgiveness was already in place. Bring the fatted calf. We're going to have a celebration because the son that was lost has been found. The son that was dead has come to life again. That's what works in our hearts. The power of God to bring up mercy in us for those who have offended us, said things, abandoned us, whatever it would be. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden we feel softer about what they did. We, we release to the Lord. We give to the Lord what they've done. We give it to the Lord. We don't carry it. Lord, take this. I give them to you and what they did or didn't do or say. I give them to you. I forgive them. Forgive them as an act of the will. Forgive them as a choice. I give them to you. And Lord, I ask you to put in my heart your mercy toward them. Because they will crash and burn one day. The way of the transgressor is hard. It is a law of God. It, it happens sooner or later. But when that happens, like the daddy, You've already forgiven. You've already released. You've already prayed for mercy to work in your heart toward them. And so when they start heading back to find you, why would they want to find you? Because they saw in you something they didn't see in anybody else. That's why our position of loyalty to Jesus, humbly but strong, is so important in this family equation. I want to pray for you before we go. If, you, if, if you're headed into, in the near future, a setting like this that we're describing, you're not looking forward to it. There are big faces that rise up. There are voices and memories that can make it tough. Would you just stand up wherever you are, and, let, and I want to pray for you. If, if, if this fits, and, and streaming family, join us here. Just, just stand up, if you would, wherever you are. Lord, we need your help. This next gathering will be just like a thousand other ones unless you send your spirit and power to our hearts. 
Lord, I have been the name of Jesus enforce your authority to break the lies of Satan that because a father has spoken it, it's, it's the final word. Or before a mother has spoken it, it's the final word. Or because this has happened, I'm doomed and, and, and tainted forever. Lord, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we break the power of those words. We cancel the effect of those words against us in the name of Jesus, and we receive complete freedom from words spoken against us. The power of life and death are in the tongue you have said, but you've given us the authority in the name of Jesus to cancel the power, the power of those words against us and receive the power of the truth of your word. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King. We receive that and we thank you for it. Lord, I ask you to use the presence of these sons and daughters in these difficult places. I ask you to use their presence in those places, empowered by your spirit, to be life and hope and freedom and even joy in those places. But Lord, if you don't want them in those places, my sheep hear my voice, you've said. And I know them, and they follow me. Lord, we're asking. We're not just going to assume we're supposed to go. We're going to ask you if you want us to be there. And Lord, as we are commissioned to go, or we are held back from going, we praise you. You are our Father. You are our Father. You are our Savior. You are our Lord. We follow you. Come, Holy Spirit, with all your power. Strengthen us, open our eyes, strengthen our wills, cancel wrong emotions in the name of Jesus. And may we be emboldened and blazing witnesses for the Jesus Christ who lives within us, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. 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 Jesus won most folks because he loved them. The ones he preached to the most were the religious crowd. But he just loved people. What are you going to do when somebody just keeps loving you? Be commissioned to love. I want to ask you, let's just do one more thing. If you'll, I'm going to speak this blessing over you. Streaming family, join us in this if you want to. We're about done. I know I've gone a little long. It's because this crowd in here kept agging me on. I, I couldn't quit. Okay, but here it is. Number six. Now, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord, this is his heart. You don't need an earthly father's blessing if you have your heavenly father's blessing. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, in the name of his Son, Jesus, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Come this way, family, in this room, and let us pray with you if you need that. Prayer partners, if you'll join me. We'll look forward to being together. If those of you who can join us Christmas Eve, 6 o'clock, we'll be streaming the services, and then the services on Christmas Day. God bless you. God bless you for being here. And let us pray with you if we can. Thank you. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Bless you.